Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, October 14th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. Across the planet, the coronavirus catastrophe growing worse, while here in the United States, 52,000 cases reported in the last 24 hours. Trump hitting the campaign trail once again as he and rival Joe Biden plan competing town hall events for Thursday night, the original date set for their now-canceled presidential debates. And a contentious confirmation hearing continuing on Capitol Hill. Amy Coney Barrett facing tough questions about her views on abortion, health care and more. The latest from Washington. More today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with shocking new numbers. Coronavirus cases globally have now surpassed 38 million million people as of Tuesday evening. That's according to the tally from Johns Hopkins University. Meanwhile, the global death toll stands above 1,883,000. And the United States leads with the most cases at nearly 8 million and also ranks number one in terms of worldwide deaths. The U.S., India and Brazil together account for more than half of global infections. Meanwhile, here in the United States, meanwhile, here in the United States, we're bracing for a surge of cases during the coming weeks with more than 30 states reporting an increase in infections in the past week. In Wisconsin, the governor is pleading with residents to help stop the spread as the White House is reportedly embracing the idea of herd immunity. Nearly three-quarters of the country, 36 states, seeing an increase in new COVID-19 cases over the last seven days. And at least 13 states have had a daily positivity rate above 10%. What's called test positivity, which is often and in fact invariably highly predictive of a resurgence of cases, which historically we know leads to an increase in hospitalizations and then ultimately an increase in deaths. COVID-related hospitalizations are already at record highs in at least five states. This virus can spread in, among families and friends if you are take your mask off and you're primarily indoors. North Dakota, which leads the nation in cases per capita, has fewer than 20 ICU beds available. People are continuing to operate kind of as they had before COVID um, even um, was here, and that's leading to a lot of our numbers increasing. Wisconsin has seen one of the worst waves of infections, recording at least 3,279 new cases Tuesday, a record high. The state now preparing for a fall surge. This field hospital at the State Fair Park is ready to accept new patients as hospital beds become increasingly scarce. We have to get this virus under control and help flatten the curve to prevent our health care systems from being overwhelmed. Over the last month, our hospitalizations have nearly tripled. With national daily cases averaging almost 50,000, researchers at NYU warning that a second wave of devastation is imminent, linked to mounting evidence of rising mental health issues and substance abuse linked to the pandemic. Meanwhile, the New York Times reporting that the White House may be embracing calls for herd immunity from some scientists who argue that lockdowns should end and the virus should be allowed to spread among young people. As a strategy, it simply means doing nothing and letting the virus run through the population. 
but that's that's a recipe for just uh, a, a, an awful lot of deaths. And on the vaccine and treatment from Eli Lilly is pausing its antibody treatment trial, which was in its final stage following what the company calls a potential safety concern. All the while, another drug maker, Pfizer, is planning to start testing its experimental coronavirus vaccine on children as young as 12. The researcher leading the drug trial says parents have already expressed interest in enrolling their kids. It will be the first coronavirus vaccine trial to include children in the U.S. The Vaccine Research Center at Cincinnati's Children's Hospital says teenagers aged 16 and 17 will get the vaccine this week. The center says kids between the ages of 12 to 15 will be enrolled in the trial later on. While the death rate from coronavirus is lower among children, they can still develop serious symptoms. Children can also spread the virus to more vulnerable people. And Swiss pharmaceutical company Roche is planning to sell a higher volume of COVID-19 antigen tests for laboratories by the end of 2020. In a statement, they explained that the fully automated systems can provide test results in only 18 minutes. And joining me now is Dr. Brad Dreyfus. He's an emergency room physician in Tucson, Arizona. Thanks for being here, Dr. Dreyfus. Cases in most of the country are rising. What are you seeing at your hospital? First of all, thank you for, for having me. Um, in our hospital and in the, in the Arizona area in general, cases are starting to rise again, as is being noted in other parts of the country. I believe over the preceding week, our positive tests were four to 6% increasing from the previous weeks. So as everywhere else, we're starting to see the increase. Robert Redfield, the doctor Robert Redfield of the CDC is raising concern about small gatherings, saying they're driving infections. What should people be aware of, especially as we're heading into the holidays? Having gatherings is quite dangerous, especially when you're mixing families that have not had pre-discussed plans for quarantine or shared values along quarantine. People are getting together for weddings, et cetera, which brings folks from near and far, which essentially creates potential um, super spreader events, um, as we've seen and will continue to see until the behavior changes. Understanding, it's important to understand that there's over 90 million people in the United States who are moderate to high risk for a coronavirus. And so this whole idea of using herd immunity, which does not apply uh, or should not be applied to um, a novel virus. Um, it's instead used for um, uh, for vaccination, vaccination uh, preventable disease. It should not be one that's embraced. It should not be confused with vaccine preventable illness that's of low prevalence. And Dr. saying on the herd immunity, according to the New York Times, the White House is embracing the idea of herd immunity. Um, can you explain to us how dangerous is this idea specifically with a virus like Corona, coronavirus mm-hmm. and the fact that about only 10 percent of our population has been infected? When we're talking about herd immunity, we're talking about vaccine preventable illness. It's relatively low prevalence to start with. We're talking about people getting vaccinations that have been proven to work to prevent disease at a very high level of efficacy, or they work very well. Having a, uh, 60 to 70% of the population immunized provides that herd immunity. 
when we are talking about a population that has maybe had 10% of people infected and a disease we still don't understand very well with an at-risk population of 90 million people in the United States, we are talking about significant death and devastation. And it's not just the COVID patients coming in that overwhelms our system, but we have our everyday diabetic emergencies or hypertensive emergencies or car crashes or appendicitis, what have you, they're not going to be able to receive the standard of treatment that they should because we are overrun. We have the potential to try and flatten this curve or keep this curve flat. But it's important that our leadership be using the correct messaging and not just give up. Herd immunity is not something that we are going to achieve without significant loss. Um, with regard to health, emotional, and even economic loss as a country. We need to be smarter than that. And finally, doctor, health experts are warning of a second wave. They have for quite a few weeks during the fall and winter. How prepared is your hospital and how prepared are doctors and staff considering health care workers have been working overdrive for most of the year? I think from a ground up perspective, from a grassroots on the frontline perspective, it's difficult to tell because there's very little transparency in most health systems at this point. Um, there is, uh, it's reported that we do have at least 14 days of PPE, um, but we don't know what that really means. Our healthcare workforce is absolutely exhausted. Mm -hmm. um, people are starting to wonder whether they should be coming to work. I have a colleague actually who I spoke with yesterday whose son contracted um, COVID from a family event, um, as, noted, as you noted earlier and is concerned about his health. How can he be attentive to caring for our patients or our team if if he's preoccupied with a sick family member? It's this is very trying. It's going to drive a lot of people out of healthcare. And I'm not just talking physicians and nurses, but the rest of our healthcare team members to help us treat patients and, and take care of patients and move them through the healthcare system. And we are irreplaceable. You can't train enough physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, radiology techs, et cetera, to fill a gap that was existing before COVID, which is made worse now, especially as you noted in the rural areas um, on the previous part of your broadcast. This is going to be a devastating situation. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Brad Dreyfus, emergency room physician in Tucson, Arizona. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden both out in force hitting key states trying to win over voters. This as millions of Americans cast their ballots at times waiting hours just to be able to do that. Andrea Linares has the latest on the race for the White House. Overnight, President Trump holding another rally, this one in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. The president seen giving out masks and taking a poll of who's had the coronavirus. Who's had it? Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people. Well, you're the people I want to say hello to because you're right now immune. However, experts say the science on immunity is still unknown. As the president trails behind in the polls, he's making an all-out push, hitting seven states this week alone, trying to make up lost time after battling the coronavirus. 
Trump's doctor says he's tested negative, though Dr. Sean Conley has stayed away from cameras for over a week now. And White House officials haven't explained why they'll release some of Trump's test results, but not others. Why can the president's doctor release his negative result from this week, but he can't I'm not going to get into that. Meanwhile, Democratic rival Joe Biden also staying busy, making a stop in battleground Florida. Biden calling the president's behavior reckless and unconscionable, saying the president has learned nothing from his own battle with the virus. I prayed for his recovery when he got COVID. And I'd hoped at least he'd come out of it somewhat chastened. But what has he done? He's just doubled down on the misinformation he did before and making it worse. The Sunshine State's older voters appear to also be shifting towards Biden. And that's not good news for Mr. Trump, who won Florida in 2016 with help from voters over the age of 65. Well, he throws super spreader parties at the White House where Republicans hug each other without concern of the consequences. How many of you have been unable to hug your grandkids in the last seven months? So far, more than 10.5 million Americans have already voted as early voters experience long lines and delays. Everybody's come out to vote here. Lines around the corner. Thousands of people waiting hours for early in-person voting. Texas shattered turnout records on the first day of early voting, with more than 127,000 people casting ballots in Harris County alone. A similar scene in Georgia. I want to be out here and be able to share my voice. Georgia setting an early voting record with nearly 127,000 ballots cast on day one. In Ohio, more than 193,000 people already voting early, tripling the 64,000 at the same time in 2016. President Trump will participate in an NBC News town hall held outdoors in Miami, Florida on Thursday night and at the same time the same evening in Philadelphia, former VP Joe Biden will take part in an ABC News town hall. Both will air at the same time and run for 90 minutes. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And now to New York, where some residents are accusing ICE agents of impersonating NYPD officers in order to gain entry into the homes of those targeted for arrest. Here's Fabiola Galindo. Esto pasó a qué hora? It's a surveillance video obtained by activists. In it, four agents are seen knocking on a building's door. One of them is wearing an NYPD vest, but the men are not police officers. They started knocking on our windows, saying they were the police, and we had to open the door, but then one of them said, this is ICE, and threatened us to open the door. Activists and residents of the building rallied in front of the police precinct where the incident happened. 
It's illegal to pass as a police officer, but when ICE does it, they allow it, they said, demanding an investigation and that the NYPD denounces publicly the alleged ICE tactic. I want justice. I want the police to stop lending its name so that ICE can come and arrest people, says Maria. Her husband, Fernando Santos, was arrested by ICE using the same tactic, she adds. My husband is sick. He's got coronavirus and he's diabetic. Now he's detained and I don't know anything about him. But the police department reassured this councilman that no police officer was present during the arrest. ICE is not allowed to impersonate DM. They confirmed to me that in no instance was the police accompanying ICE. The police respects the status of Sanctuary City in New York. But videos like this one are raising doubts about police and ICE cooperation. During the summer protests, ICE agents were spotted protecting a police precinct. The NYPD says they weren't on immigration duty. In addition to the protests, activists say they will continue doing community patrols to inform neighbors about their rights in case ICE knocks on their door. In New York, Fabiola Galindo, UNews. Now to Washington, where the Supreme Court is allowing the Trump administration to end the census counts early. The decision will stand while an appeal plays out in lower courts. At issue is whether the administration's decision to shorten the census counts by more than a month should be permitted. The Trump administration says the shortened deadline is necessary to give the Commerce Department enough time to meet a December 31st deadline to report final numbers. That decision was made shortly after a policy that excludes undocumented immigrants when dividing seats in the U.S. House of Representatives between states. A lower court blocked that policy and it is currently on appeal to the Supreme Court. And the federal prosecutor appointed by the Attorney General, William Barr, to review whether Obama-era officials improperly requested the identities of individuals whose names were redacted in intelligence documents, has completed his work without finding any substantive wrongdoing. The department has so far declined to release the results of U.S. Attorney John Bash's work, through, though people familiar with his findings say they would likely disappoint conservatives who have tried to paint the unmasking of names, a common practice in government to help understand classified documents, as a political conspiracy. And some good news out of our nation's capital. Americans who receive Social Security will see a small bump in their monthly checks starting in January. The Social Security Administration says the payments will go up by 1.3% to account for the rising cost of living. That means the average monthly check will increase by $20 to just over $1,500. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.